Morning up church. Welcome. So glad you're here. Uh, my name is Ross. I'm the senior pastor here. Oh, I'm glad you're joining us online. Thanks for being with us. Um, before we get too any further, too far, I wanted to invite you in an opportunity. Uh, we provided a resource for you, and I know I'm going to say the, the word Christmas, okay? We're not through Thanksgiving, but we want to give you a heads up in case you want to begin to prepare for that Christmas season, and specifically with Advent. And Advent's a specific time where we can dedicate our time each and every day to just reflect and sit in God's word on the journey leading up to the birth of Christ. And as a church on Christmas Eve, we'll, we'll be celebrating together uh, on Christmas Eve, the birth of our Savior Jesus. And so we have two options for you. If you are a family, you can go to the check-in area and grab one of uh, these. This is like a placemat you can put in your home where you eat and on your fridge. And it just leads you through day-by-day -day readings and helping you reflect and grow in anticipa anticipation for what Christmas Eve brings us in Jesus. And then also, like the one I was holding a minute ago, just a personal one. If you are single or you're newly married or just you personally want to walk through uh, yourself, you can grab one of these. These are available in the lobby area right uh, out front there. And then these, like I said, right near the ch kids' check-in areas. And maybe you're an adult, you don't have kids, uh, but you want to be like a kid. Go for it. All right. Go, please. You're welcome. I'm serious. I may, I may use this one personally. So uh, they're both available to you. We'd love for you to join us on this journey as we prepare for Christmas and celebration of Jesus. As a church, we'll start a series to kind of um, walk us through that reality too, but that's just for you personally on the day-to-day -day as well. Um, if you're with us, we're continuing a series on prayer. And in this uh, series, we're beginning to highlight uh, this reality, this framework in which Jesus taught us to pray in the Sermon on the Mount. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And in this prayer, he, he's uh, teaching us in a way, not that it's this formula in which we must, must pray this word for word for him to hear us or, or in this or that. It, it's more particularly this uh, way in which he invites us to pray and that our prayers are characterized by these specific things. And of course, praying them explicitly is totally fine, totally great. Uh, but he's inviting us to nearness with him because prayer is this personal communication with God. And it's, it's our moment to actually speak with him, for him to speak with us. And we, we take a moment uh, just to even on our Sunday mornings to pray, uh, throughout your day to pray. And so we want to grow in that way of prayer. And so far we've covered adoration, uh, submission, and confession. And we're beginning to see these characteristics really begin to blossom in our personal relationship with God through prayer. And so today we're going to be focusing on dependence, and it's rooted out of Matthew 6. Matthew 6, 11 says this, give us today our daily bread. And in this reality, uh, Jesus is teaching us to pray further than just for the bread we physically eat, but a spiritual nutrients in which he wants to invite us to pray in. So dependence really plainly is relying on God in all aspects of our lives, relying on God in all aspects of our lives. So if we're truly dependent on him, we rely on him with everything everything in all aspects in all areas and so this prayer is inviting us to see this statement different independence then instead of just solely god give us today our daily bread this physical bread we need the nutrients physically for our physical bodies here but you have this shift in our prayer life which can say things like god give me today the wisdom i need to trust you in this decision or the wisdom i need to make in this decision make a decision uh, God, give me today the words I need to have this conversation, and it might be hard. Uh, God, give me uh, today the strength I need to parent my children, if you're a parent in the room. Hey, maybe you're a student in the room. You may pray a prayer like, God, give me the patience I need 
to, to just be friends with this person at school and this classmate if you're a student. Maybe you're a kid in the room and you begin to pray, uh, pray like this. God, give me tonight the peace I need to go to sleep because I'm scared when the lights are off. And it's this reality that God wants us to depend on him and rely on him in every aspect, every moment, in every type of way, which is rooted in him. And so this morning, what I want to show you is something I, I think maybe you've read before and seen before, but in hopes that the Holy Spirit would guide us through seeing it in another lens, uh, that I want to show you that remaining in Jesus is the way in which we grow in an ongoing, ongoing daily dependence on Christ, ongoing daily dependence on him is found in remaining in him. And so we're going to be in John 15 verses one through eight. I'm excited to walk through this with you. We've got a lot uh, of content to walk through today, and I'm excited as we've been praying for this, uh, this message for a few weeks now and excited to dive in. So let's hit the ground running. If you have your Bible, there's going to be a Bible under your seat or on your phone. You can grab it wherever you'd like to read. I'm in the NIV version. Uh, and so if you want to read along with that or elsewhere is fine too, it'll say similarly the same. So here we go on John 15, one, it says this, this is Jesus. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Let's open in prayer together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. God, I ask that you would help guide us, that by your Holy Spirit, you would show us the way in which it is to understand your word and, and to dig deep into it. God, I pray that we would be both uh, convicted, but inspired and, and, and just strengthened to grow in you. That as we see places, we may need to take steps further and closer to you that we would do so. That as uh, maybe your word reveals uh, something going on in our life, that we would uh, humbly approach and ask for forgiveness, but maybe even so, God, and take a step towards you in trust and dependence. And so, God, help us grow in this way. Help it frame our prayers uh, for your glory and for your namesake. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, before we moved to Chicago, my wife grew up in Dubuque, and we met each other at college at Liberty University, moved to Chicago for our first assignment there at a church, and we were in the northwest suburbs. And I know we have some Chicago landers in here. That's great. I love Chicago. We didn't leave for any terrible reasons. We really loved it there too. Uh, but we lived in Cook County in a northwest suburb. And I don't know if you know much about Chicago, but it's flat. You know, there's just no hills to be found. Actually, there are some hills, but they actually make those forest preserves because they know if they trust the people with the hill, we're going to level it out and put a house on it, you know? And so they make sure to protect those in what's called forest preserves. Anyways... Uh, Chicago is pretty flat, different than Dubuque. And I was, I was really shocked by that. I was assuming Dubuque was more Midwest, you know, and dating and our years of marriage visiting here. Um, you, you know, I saw hills, but I didn't know how hilly it really was until I lived here. And of course my walking days are over. I'm not walking hills, you know, and maybe you're with me. Maybe you're like, come on, Ross, you can grow up. Yeah, I'm sure I can, but it's just my reality right now. 
And so in all of this in Chicago, it was pretty flat. And so we take walks pretty often. Well, one day I went on a walk by myself around our, our little neighborhood block. And as I was walking, I saw this guy. He was up against this big, it looked like an old tree next to the uh, to the sidewalk area. It looked like a really old tree, not crazy big, but like medium big and uh, tall and it looked old. And he was up next to it and, and, and down, kind of kneeling down with, the, with like a drill bit this long. He was just drilling into this thing so deep. I was like, what is going on? Like, this guy's just really getting into this thing. Like, this is nuts. So I walk up, and the closer I get, I see his van, and it says tree doctor. Now, I don't know about you. I didn't know there was a tree doctor that was a thing or a position or something that you do, a tree doctor. I was just, like, surprised. So I simply asked him, hey, you're a tree doctor. Like, what is that? You know, like, asking someone what their job is is the first question, you know. I'm like, what is that? What do you do? And he's like, well, you know, yeah, I go around and I kind of fix trees, doctor them up so they can live longer and better lives. And I want to make sure they're, uh, you know, you know, nu- give nutrients when they're needed and stuff like that. And as I started to look up this tree, I began to see like these branches way up top. And, like half of them were like really like healthy. And the other half pretty dead. I was like, okay, yeah, that's sweet. So you know, and me and my knowledge of trees then and even now, I'm like, so why don't you, so I see the problem, why don't you go up there and like do that stuff? And he said something so profound. I want to say to you explicitly, like word for word, you ready? He said this, I can't take care of what's up there without digging into here. And so he was helping me see that he, he can't take care of the problem that's in the branch without sticking to the root of the issue that's causing it. And he said, I'd ruled out like a lightning strike or any uh, bug infestation. I've ruled out, I've gone up and take a look. I've ruled out those things. Something is happening deeper in this tree that I need to figure out and thus take care of and doctor. I was like, wow, that's so impressive that first of all, you people do this. And second of all, that that's possible. And the reality struck me when I read this passage as we understand Jesus's words for us today that the similar is true for those of us who desire life in Christ, that we must be firmly planted and directly rooted in him. You see, Jesus gives us this amazing example, this illustration of what being dependent on the him really look, looks like in John 15. And in this passage, he's explicitly clear. In John 15, 1, he says, I am the true vine and my father, the gardener. And so we're beginning to see these roles that, that father God is gardening this vine, and then Jesus, he's the true vine. And then what else he says in verse five? I am the vine, and you are the branches. And in this context, he's talking to those who follow him. And so for the Christian in the room, for those of us who follow Jesus, this is an explicit invitation to understanding what it looks like to remain in Christ. To maybe your passage says abide in him. To, to really depend on him with everything. And what that looks like, similarly to what we see in a vine and a branch. So if you're taking notes with us, I love to ensure like as you're taking notes, this is an important time for you to remember what God's saying to you, not more than what I'm saying. I'm, I want him to say things to you through his word. So if you're taking notes, I'm just kind of highlighting some sections that we're going to walk through together in his word. And so point number one, if you're a note taker in the room, is this constantly connected to Christ. As we continue to walk through this passage, we're going to see this theme of Jesus calling us to be constantly connected to him and what that really looks like in the word remaining. So you think of a, a branch in a tree, right? And in that scenario, he was getting to the root of the problem and trying to fix the branch to be. The branch to him, to this tree doctor, was like not dead yet, 
but he was beginning a process of healing it. And if you're a follower of Jesus, like I said, you are one who is dependent on him, who is resting in him, who is deliberately connected to him. And I know, you know, Pastor Mark, who is just up here, right? He is awesome. And I know you agree so too. He's, he's incredible. We as a preaching team, Mark, Marty, and myself meet together and pray and plan and uh, just talk through our sermons and try to find some unity. And I hope you see that. Uh, but as far as like us discussing this, he brought up this brilliant point, this illustration that kind of helps you see it. Someone who is constantly connected to Jesus is similar to the phones that we have, that brilliant piece of technology. But in order for it to exist, it must be connected to a source of power over time. Now, different than a phone, though, a phone, you know, can be unconnected and survive for a little time, but it's unfortunate event near the end is it will die. A phone, a dead phone, specifically turns into what? A paperweight, right? One in which you cannot use for anything good besides a paperweight or something to look at. You know how your phone sometimes gives you a reflection, a mirror? You could do that, I guess. You could show people you have a phone, but you couldn't use it if it's dead. And so this illustration Mark was sharing with me, I was like, that's so profoundly true. But yet, even deeper is so. Jesus here in this passage is calling us to remain in him constantly. That in order to have life, to, to have everlasting life, in order to have life today and produce fruit like a good tree does, you must be constantly connected to me. Unlike our phones that can somewhat be and maybe not, but yet that, as a Christian, becomes our greatest attempt to be connected. We would rather be sometimes connected to Jesus and maybe not always we would rather be plugged in when we're at church on Sunday morning and maybe not any other time throughout the week. But yeah, Jesus says, no, no, no. I don't know. To remain in me is to be constantly connected. How do we see that in the passage here? He says in verse four, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Not only does Jesus say that you may remain in him, but what is the other? that he remain in you. And now we're beginning to see a different picture of what Jesus is truly offering us as followers of him. That not only we remain in him, and we'll walk through some pieces of what marks that remaining in him, but also he in us. So we're beginning to see the power in which we are to bear fruit is him in us. Is that trying any, any more harder? Is that doing more things? Is that hoping for the best, but truly relying and depending on him in us, as we put our dependence in him. So what does it mean, the natural question is, to remain in Jesus? What does that mean? What does that look like? Simply put, to remain in Jesus is remaining in fellowship with him, connecting to him, believing in him, and trusting in him, and resting in him with your entire life. That is what it looks like to remain in Jesus. And we think in this passage, there's two marks of what that how that plays out. And, and we see it naturally it, to be pruned by the Father to bear more fruit and to be rooted in the Bible, God's word. And let's, let's flesh that out a bit. And in pruning, Jesus said in verse two, so if you go to John 15, two, he says this, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be ever more fruitful. Now, any green thumbs in the room? Maybe you just got done gardening before you got here. Anybody gardened before church? No. Okay. I don't, I don't know. I'm not a gardener. I didn't know if it was like a good time, like early in the morning to garden or late time. I don't really know. You can teach me after. But I think as far as pruning goes, what Jesus is referring to is God, the gardener, his father, that he's pruning in order to bear more fruit. So if you're a green thumb, you know 
that throughout your property, if you wanted to bear more fruit, if you wanted to be fruitful, you're going to go and prune what is uh, basically inhibiting that, what is stopping that from happening. You're going to go prune and say, okay, I, I'm going to do my best to bear this the most fruit. And Jesus says his father does similar work. See, God is in the process of pruning our lives, although so painful at times, in a way to produce more fruit in us. What does that pruning look like, though? I mean, naturally, we think of pruning our actions. Are your actions honorable to him? Are you in a season where he's you know, pruning away things in which dishonor him in order you take step into what does honor him? Maybe a pruning of our finances, or the way you use your money, in which God's blessed you with and given you, and glory to him, the way you're giving generously to your neighbors or tithing to the church, his body. Is it a way of pruning your finances to be one who is mindful and thoughtful and putting him above your best priority in the way that you use your money? Maybe pruning your relationships. If you take just an inventory of your friendships and the relationships that you're in, are you in a season where they're pointing you towards Christ? Or maybe you need to begin to prune and look at ways to guard relationships which are pointing you far away. And how painful that might be in pruning. Or maybe pruning our mouths and the way that we speak and speak the truth in love with care and compassion and, and, and kind-heartedness and tenderness for those around us. And trust me, I say this at a time, friends, where talking is really powerful. In the middle of the Iowa game yesterday, unwillingly, commercials jump on the screen. Or in the middle of a polarizing time in our nation, where we're beginning to elect a new president, or elect a president-to-be, whatever. And in this season, our words can become so much more damaging that we choose the chance of hate to the opposing side that we're not on in order to diminish and devalue and hope that our side wins. That, that even is so strikingly to me is this commercial that's on the screen. And there's like five of them in a row. You know, it's like the first one talks about this guy. Well, it's like the rebuttal of the next guy. And it's like this guy talking about this girl. And then it's like, this is all. And then what, what do you feel after all this? All this language, you, you, you feel angry. Or maybe you don't, I do. I feel concerned. I'm not sure if I like the person who's saying all this stuff, nor the person they're talking about. And so I'm like, where's the truth in this? And why are there so many angry words flying around? See, friends, maybe we're becoming in a season where God needs to begin to prune your words and you need to be willing for him to do so. Pruning our, our mouths, are they speaking the truth in love? So like we're on a journey of pruning from the Father, like we're on a journey of, of glorifying him with our ever so being. We're also on a journey to be rooted in his word. And we see in this passage in John 15, three, he says this, Jesus says, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. And this statement already clean, he's talking to his disciples. And earlier in John 13, that chapter, he had a moment of washing the disciples' feet. This profound statement of love and care and tender-hearted servanthood that we see of Christ. So beautiful. And what it portrayed was even deeper than that. He, he is cleansing their feet, the, the lowest of their body, the dirtiest of themselves, but he's showing the, the cleansing that is to come in his death and resurrection. And this beautiful example, this beautiful moment of, of washing their feet, this powerful one, yet Jesus says and includes in this statement, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. 
And in that context, he's pointing to his word to be for us. See, the word that Jesus has spoken to us, and in the Bible we know today, God's word, is as is, is useful as this cleansing agent in our life. And you think of it like this, a cleansing agent. You think of the cleansing things you have in your drawers to clean surfaces and all that. The objective always at the end is for it to be clean, right? Otherwise, you probably wouldn't use it. If, if you had a, clean, a cleaning agent that was making your counters dirtier, hopefully you would stop that, right? You'd want it to be clean. And so in this token of the word I have spoken to you and, and, and clean, God's word is this cleansing agent to us today. We think of it, God's word condemns our sin. It, it inspires us to holiness and shows us the path to true righteousness in Christ. God's word furthers our growth in him. And by us being rooted in his word, in the Bible, by us being rooted in the words of Jesus, we find it to be this cleansing agent which further promotes our growth in him. That it's not mere a book to be, to be read for fun, but even so much more for fun, for deep-rooted joy and founding and faith and cleansing and righteousness. We're able to apply its truth for further life, for further joy, for further hope in him, reminders of what's to come, reminders for what is. And being rooted in God and rooted in his word is so dearly important for us as followers of Jesus, even so much so that Paul uses it in this illustration, Ephesians 5. Uh, he says this statement in which he refers to Christ as this example. In Ephesians 5.25, Paul uses this example of the, the same meaning. He says this, he's talking about husbands and, and loving your wives. He says in verse 25, husbands love your wives. And then he gives this example, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, so the body of Christ, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. We see this profound example of the cleansing of the word of God and how that partakes in our very rooted nature as followers, as people of him, as a body of believers. Being rooted in the Bible, God's word is what's further what further really sinks the work of God in us, what connects us wholly to his vine and constant connection. So true dependence is found in remaining in Christ, constantly connected and marked by being pruned by God and rooted in his word. But number two is this, effectively producing spiritual fruit. So as we remain in Christ and he in us, we then see these, these, these statements of fruit to come. Uh, specifically in John 15, 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so remember the remaining, if you're trusting in me, believing in me, depending on me, connecting to me, resting in me, he then says will produce fruit. So then we're beginning to see that bearing fruit is this external, external showing of an internal change. That, that bearing the fruit that Christ has to offer is this external showing of what's internally changing in us. We're remaining in him. Spiritually, we're in him. Spiritually, we are trusting him. Spiritually, we're believing in him. And then we get this external view of the fruits to come. Now, what are these fruits that we bear in Christ? Uh, if you're with us over the summer, and I know summers, we're kind of everywhere. That's all good. You're traveling, having fun, doing all that kind of stuff. Maybe you're sticking here in Dubuque. You know, we, we stuck in. We didn't do anything over the summer. Um, 
but you know, just stuff around town, but either way, in the summer as a church, we walk through what was called the fruit of the spirit. And these are these, uh, this, these characteristics, this fruit as a whole in which, um, is described, God gives us when we're in him by the Holy Spirit. And and they're this in Galatians 5, 22, it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And although this list is expansive, it's important to really note that it's a singular fruit, that these all work together and those who are in Christ by his spirit in us. These are all collectively a fruit as one, as much as it's hard to maybe analyze or understand that as one, as he is in us and we remain in him. And so that as we experience that love that Christ has to offer us, we're able to love our neighbors like he's loved us. As we experience the peace in which he's given us, even in the most stressful of times or hardest of circumstances, we recognize the peace in which he gives us, we're able to carry in our relationships and become peacemakers to the relationships around us. As we experience how patient God is with us, how patiently uh, loving and kind and caring he is towards us, that he gives us time uh, to, to, to take steps towards him. He doesn't just banish us off. He invites us over time patiently to walk with him. And yet in that patience, as we experience it, we get to in turn have a fruit of patience with those around us. What Jesus offers here is incredible. You think he's offering us fullness of life and yet not only of a life to come eternally, but a life to live now fruitfully. And the beauty about what Christ is showing us here is that it's not just try hard and do it on your own. It must be rooted dependently in me. It must be rooted explicit me in me. We, we would be probably, uh, it'd probably be funny if we tried this experiment of cutting off a branch, like say like of, a, of an apple tree and sitting it up here and saying, it's going to grow more apples. We just know it to be so. Well, what would end up happening? It would die. It's disconnected. Sure, the apples will sit there until they rot if there's one on there, but we wouldn't be hopeful that, oh, the fruit on the tree is going to sustain and going to last long because we got the branch. We'd say, no, we're missing the vine. We're missing the root. We're missing the, the, the nutrients of this thing, and it's not going to survive. And the interesting part about Jesus calling us to remain in him and, and, and then him in us is that he doesn't just say, go try harder to produce the fruit in which I'm asking you to. He says, I want to produce it through in and through you. That when I remain in you and by my Holy Spirit, these are the fruits in which characterize me, which I want to characterize you as you depend on me, as you trust in me, as you lean into me, as you root yourself in my word, as you root yourself in my way. I want to, I want to make it possible through you by me. And what beautiful an invitation where we simply have to depend. But yet dependence isn't so simple. Dependence is rather hard. If we continue the positive of remaining in Christ, that we bear much fruit, the negative is just as true for those who choose not to depend on him, trust in him, remain in him, believe in him. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. And similar to the branch we discussed of an apple tree, the branch withers and dies if it's not connected to the vine. And so thus is those who do not connect to Christ, who do not follow him, believe in him, and trust in him. 
My friends, we've been put on a mission to make him be known to those who are disconnected, to make him be known to even those who are and encourage each other in the faith, but to make him be known to our neighbors and friends who certainly choose to be disconnected from him, to not depend on him like some of you have. Jesus concludes with this beauty in remaining in him, that if you remain in him, so for the believer that does, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you, that this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And we see that external fruit is in a showing of God's glory. See, throughout this passage, we've been put in a position to bear fruit, but the result of remaining in him is a result of a prayer that is powerful and effective in our life. In, in remaining in Christ, we're able to come to him boldly and expectantly with what we know in him we're asking for, for him to answer faithfully, for he is faithful, for he is good, for he is loving, and often gives us more than we even deserve. And yet, and resulting in this disposition of fruit is pointed to his glory alone. But the fruit we produce as Christ followers are not for our own glory and likeness and goodness, but solely for his, solely for his. So we show the world that we're his and changed forever. So what does this passage really frame out the way that we pray effectively, dependingly on him? See, if we think of remaining in Christ and the way in which we can do so in our everyday by being rooted in his word, and trusting and believing and, and seeking after him, what merely changed from the statement of give us today our daily bread and then those examples? You think of, instead of just praying for that daily bread, like the nutrients you physically need, you begin to expand and deeply pray dependently on everything you need. And so your prayers begin to shift. God, give me the strength I need to produce the fruit in which you are remaining in me to do that that patient and love feels far from me, God, so draw me near as I want to remain in you to produce it. God, would you give me the boldness I need to be faithful to you in this season with my money, with my time, with my, with my mouth, with my actions, whatever it may be, God, I want to remain so closely to you that I produce a showing of someone who is in you and you and me. That our prayers begin to expand that not only the little things, but the large ones. Not only the large ones, but the medium ones in our everyday reliance on God. That could you believe it before that meeting you got to take on at work? You could pause and say, God, give me the perspective that I need to understand. Or maybe before that conversation with your husband or wife, God, give me the patience that I need to talk through this issue together. Or maybe even with a friendship, God, give me the love to carry through to a good friend who I disagree with, that maybe even in a season of seeing polar different sides of what is seemingly the truth to either or, God, give me the power and self-control to just faithfully seek you in love regardless of position. See, our prayers can be radically changed by our dependence in him. And maybe you're wondering if um, you're depending on God at all. Like, Maybe you're wondering, am I depending on God truly at all? And here's a few red flags I want to give you. If you're into racing, there's a green flag, which means go. A checkered flag, which means you win the race, kind of. A white flag, which I don't know what that means, but the red flag means stop, right? We know that. 
Here's a few red flags that kind of help you gauge. Are you depending on God fully? Here's a few examples. One, if you feel the need to no longer pray, you may be lacking your dependence on God. You say prayers, maybe for those people at church, but maybe not for me. You're lacking dependence on him. Maybe you feel a sense of you can do it on your own. I've got this life. I kind of know what he says, or I know it in full, but I can do it on my own. I can achieve it. You're not fully depending on Jesus. Maybe you read your Bible with a lens for others and not yourself. And you say, man, this word's so good to remain in God, but I've been following for so long, or even just a few weeks, I feel like I understand it. There's nothing that can help me there, but like I know my friend really needs to hear this. This is the thing you really need to know. And you fail to put yourselves in positions of humility for the word of God to be rooted in you. Maybe you feel like there's a switch for God in your life. When you show up to church on Sunday morning, the switch is on. Yay, God, this is great. But then you leave this room and you begin to tone it down and like, I'm on, maybe not. I don't really want to do that. Or maybe you're just afraid of friendships or relationships that you would lose because of it. Or maybe there's that life group that you get in, your the switch is on, and then you immediately turn it off. You may not be truly depending on him in your everyday reliance. But maybe, last question before we close, you're wondering if you can even depend on Jesus in the first place. Like, is he really a dependable guy? Is Jesus really dependable in my situation, in my circumstance, that I can trust in him with it, believe in him for it, remain in him through it? And I just want to give you this picture quick before we close. Jesus was born a man, and he was born humbly, um, lived this perfect life. And as scripture says, it kind of paints this picture in Philippians 2, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider himself, consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. But rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And so upon this death on the cross, being a shameful death, he was mocked, beaten, ridiculed, all the way up to the point of the cross. And yet at any point, Jesus could have been like, you know, this is enough. These people don't respect me. I'm the son of God. I've been telling them for this long. I'm done. Called down a legion of angels to take him and to remove him from the situation, to uh, remove people from the city, whatever. He could have done whatever. Instead of that, scripture says this, in Hebrews 12, 2, for the joy set before him, he endured that cross and died. He, he died on the cross for the joy that was set before him. And of course, you may know, or maybe not, he was resurrected, united with the Father. And we find the very life in us is found through that resurrection. But the joy that was set before him, do you know what that joy was? That joy was you. That joy was me. Do you know the joy that was set before Jesus to endure the cross, to, to endure the cross, to die and rise again, was you, was the opportunity to save you and me. He, he knew well-being. The joy, of course, too, was being reunited with the Father. He knew very much so. His position and status never changed. Even being on the cross, he knew he'd be resurrected and positioned right back to where he was with the Father. But yet, he humbly came, placed himself on a cross willingly for the joy that was set before him in you, so that you may have opportunity to depend on him with everything, 
in everything, through everything, that you were the joy that he endured for. You see, you, you, if we think through, is, is, is Jesus really that dependable? We can depend on him for such a circumstance as that, such a great payment as that. And then if we can trust and depend on him for that, how much smaller is our day-to-day? How much real are the big things we feel are going on that we can truly depend on him today for? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. I am thankful for our church and God, how you are equipping and preparing us to uh, serve you, to love you, to seek after you. God, I pray that each person in this room will be reminded of how dependable you are, Jesus, and how you have endured the cross for the joy that was set before you and the relationship with us that you have. And so, God, I pray for my friends in the room that um, are disconnected from you, uh, that, God, they would take a step to depend on you today, to trust in you, to believe in you with everything. God, I pray for my friends who are on a pursuit of following you, that you would encourage and strengthen us as we join you on this mission of, of you producing fruit through us for the world to see in us. God, I ask that you give us boldness and strength to really take on the truth of your word and remain in you fully, consistently, always. God, we love you and thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.